Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino here, uh, joined uh, by Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Just wanted to quickly start off by saying devastating news out of Texas uh, today. Uh, I was down at the stadium all day, Ryan, and I'm just kind of getting up to speed on all of this. Uh, and it's just more devastation on the heels of a week plus of devastation. We have a really big problem in this country, but uh, I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, there's not much to saying, you know, man, I'm in the education field. I know your wife's in the education field. This is this is kind of like the the worst nightmare scenario. So obviously, you know, um, our, our thoughts are with those and in, in those people in Texas, the families and everyone else. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk football tonight. Um, I was down at One Bill's Drive today uh, covering uh, the first practice of organized team activities and uh, quite a, a good turnout for the Bills. We'll get into all of that, but we have a big announcement. It's kind of tough, you know, with everything going on in the real world, but, you know, uh, you know, we, we cover the Bills and uh, we, we want to do a job for you guys. And um, so we, we are going to transition to the football part of things here. And we have an announcement for this show. It's it's been this amazing journey, Ryan. And we've had this this great uh, relationship with Tops uh, Friendly Markets, which, by the way, it's going to continue. Tops Friendly Markets is still the title sponsor of of Shout. But the big announcement is that Value Home Centers is coming aboard. I put a tweet out last week with uh, Tim, the Toolman Taylor, the uh, 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 with the with the power drill, uh, and I think you you shared a pretty good one. Uh, they're they're on board. They're, they're the official off season sponsor of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. They will be heavily involved throughout the season. We are absolutely thrilled, over the moon. Uh, I go to uh, value all the time, and to have a, a local company believe in our brand, believe in you know the coverage that we provide of the bills and wanting to be a part of it. It's super pumped. Uh, I met Doug recently from value and you know, he's a fan of the show and uh, it's super exciting to get him aboard. We have so many fun ideas about what this can look like. Ad reads, people love the ad reads for tops, the burger bar that we did so much and uh, all the different uh, fun, fun things we did with it. We're going to have the same fun with value. We're super excited about it. I'm pumped, right? Yeah, this is not a drill. Not at all. We are very excited to have Value as our new sponsor, our off-season sponsor. Excited to to have this new working relationship, and you know Matt's the best in the business with these ad reads. I can't wait to see what he's going to have on a, a weekly basis when it comes to these Value reads. I mean, you don't have to wait long to get a good deal. 
because right now, remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, I was in the, I was in the market for a grill. I cheaped out, Ryan. I'm not going to be on, I'm not going to lie to you. Everybody told me to go get a Weber. I went and I cheaped out. I think I got a next grill. Uh, one with the, listen, I, I, I beat up my grills a little bit. So I decided I'm going to go the cheap route. I'm going to continue doing this, this every three year, uh, just, just go out and throw some money in and buy a new one. Check this deal out, Ryan. For uh, starting on May 25th, tomorrow, Wednesday, you can go up to Value Home Center and grab yourself a brand new Spirit 2 Weber E210 propane grill. It it goes for $4.99, Ryan. Tomorrow you can get it for $3.99 for a limited time. 26,500 BTU, two stainless steel burners, porcelain enameled cast iron cooking grates. It's probably what I should have. It's the, it's the deal I should have waited for, Ryan Tablet. All right, here we go. Buffalo Bills organized team activities today. Uh, it, it got hot and heavy. The Bills practiced for two hours today. It was pretty sunny. It was warm in Orchard Park. They got after it. It was a lot of 11 and 11 work. I wasn't expecting as much as we saw, Ryan. I posted my my observations, and I'm going to punt this thing over to you. Where would you like to get started? Because there was a lot uh, that I wrote about today. You know, just because uh, it's a minor topic, we use the word punt, Matt. And, you know, we were talking pre-show about Matt uh, Matt Hawks. Tell us a little bit about today with the holding. Uh, what was going on there with uh, holding the kicks for Tyler Bass today? Who was doing it? Who was watching? We didn't get a chance to see Matt Ariza today. We didn't get a chance to see him punt. We also did not get a chance to see him hold. At the end of practice, they did some field goal work. Uh, Tyler Bass, I believe, went four for four or five for five. Uh, Matt Hawk held them all. So we've, you know, uh, it, there's this kind of bubbling anticipation for when are we going to actually get a chance to see Matt Ariza, you know, hold the, hold the ball for Tyler Bass. Because honestly, in the preseason, I feel like fans are going to be more tuned in to the holds, the extra points, the field goals than they are going to be to the punts with, with Ariza. And we just, we didn't get a chance to see it today. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Some fans have said, would they keep a holding specialist? And I kind of laughed it off. But there were a few years ago where they had a kicking specialist, something like that. Uh, I would hope that's not the case. This, this roster is too loaded to have a specialty role like that. But all eyes will eventually be on Matt Arise with that holding opportunities coming up. It just didn't happen today, Matt. But since, you know, since that was just a brief topic, why don't we talk about someone who shined a little bit today in your observations, uh, our, our friend Tommy Doyle, someone that you and I were both kind of on the fence about. You had him as having a really nice practice today. Yeah, Tommy Doyle. I, I did not go to practice today thinking that I was going to write about Tommy Doyle, but it was a couple battles with Ed Oliver that just – absolutely jumped off the page at me. I mean, jumped off the field at me, I should say. A guy that, remember, if you dial this thing back to this time last year, and even in training camp last year, it was a situation where Tommy Doyle just looked overwhelmed. Today, every time I looked out there, he lost a couple matchups. I mean, a couple reps. It, it's going to happen. But I, I think going up against the guy, the, the caliber of Ed Oliver, they had probably three battles that I actually like really like zoned in on and watched. And for him to hold up the way that he did against Oliver uh, was really impressive. There was one play in particular I wrote about it where Oliver put, I think, two moves on, on Doyle. He tried a, a spin move off the jump, and then he just tried to bull rush him, get out like a throat punch a little bit, uh, and it just didn't matter. Doyle just clamped down, swallowed him up. It was actually the play. You can actually go watch it right now over on uh, the Bills Twitter account, they tweeted a video of it. I don't know if you could see that uh, exchange, but Josh Allen connects with Gabriel Davis down the right side for a massive bomb touchdown. And, you know, obviously they're not wearing pads, Ryan. That's something that we got to 
you know, preface when we talk about, you know, these, these OTA practices, uh, some of the practices over the course of even in training camp, but that's a really good sign to see Tommy Doyle coming in here being up to the challenge early on against a, a good guy playing on the opposite side. And listen, you know, that Roger Saffold, I, I reported the, uh, this as well in the story that he is not uh, attending voluntary workouts. Uh, neither is Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Daquan Jones. So, um, you know, with Saffold out of the mix, you know, that's going to give opportunities to a bunch of other players, you know, uh, and it's the same thing for the young safeties on the other side of the ball. We saw some Josh Thomas today. He's somebody that you've been high on for a while, Ryan. And, you know, the more, you know, you got to look at the bright side of things, right? Like if, I, if I'm, I was talking to Gene in uh, Danger on Rochester today. And uh, one of the things I said is you can look at it from a positive perspective is when those guys aren't here, it gives important reps to some of these younger players. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. You don't have to worry about guys like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and Roger Saffold, even though Saffold hasn't been uh, in the fold here in Buffalo. He has worked with Aaron Cromer before. Uh, guys like that, they can step in. They're going to know what uh, the expectations are. They're going to be able to do their jobs at a high level. This gives young players those valuable reps, like you said, players that in some cases are fighting for roster spots. And, and real quick, Kevin, I don't want to think we're ignoring you in the chat. Uh, we can't talk about positions or anything too specific from OTAs. Uh, but, you know, just talking about Tommy Doyle, going back to that topic, when we watched him last year, go all the way back to OTAs, go all the way back to the preseason, there was a conversation we had where it was, man, I don't know if they can really keep a roster spot for this guy, despite him being a, an early day three type of pick. But the athleticism kept him aboard. Uh, they used him as an extra lineman last year. When you're in the system for a year, though, and you're with this coaching staff, I know that he went into the offseason with specific goals that the team gave him. Uh, weight room goals, what to work on, footwork-wise, things like that. And, and mind you, like you said, they're not in pads, but it, it's an encouraging start for him because athletically, he's off the charts. If he can get the body under control, if he if he can get uh, everything that the Bills are looking for and get those valuable reps in, he could be someone that could factor into the equation, as Deion Dawkins kind of mentioned, saying, you know, it's good to see these young guys coming along because – uh, that won't, you know, he, not that Dawkins would rest on his laurels or anything like that, but he pretty much said it, it kind of motivates me to know that there's guys waiting in the wings that want my job. Exactly. And, you know, when you got other, other guys that are kind of dealing with their own issues, like, you know, uh, Dawson Knox in practice today, uh, he's dealing with whatever it was. He was off working under the side on the bike that just allowed a, a great day, a great couple days, probably for OJ Howard to kind of get thrust in there and really just like learn, you know, trial by fire, if you will. I thought that there was a few routes that OJ Howard, if I'm being honest, I didn't write about him, but I thought that the way that he was running routes today, it was, a, it looked a little bit clunky. Like, you know, almost like he was kind of like second guessing himself. I feel like he's just got to, you know, maybe go in there, run some of these plays and then just run them a million times, whether it be at home, whether it be, you know, a, you know, wherever he does it. Uh, but having the opportunity to be out there and run through those plays is important. You mentioned um, Deion Dawkins thinking about like, you know, maybe him being on his heels, right? Well, Spencer Brown uh, had a procedure recently, Sean McDermott revealed. And so he didn't practice today. So if, if he's out for you know extended period here in the spring, that just gives Tommy Doyle, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of other players an opportunity to kind of get out there and show what they can do, and you can earn you know valuable 
points with the coaching staff. I mean, Aaron Cromer, this is the first time he's getting a lot of these guys out on the grass. And we, we heard from Deion Dawkins today. He's a big fan of, of Aaron Cromer, which I thought was interesting. He was close with uh, Bobby Johnson as well, but it's just a different style. And I think sometimes having a different style, Ryan, like of coach, and it goes for the Ken Dorsey, um, Brian Dable dynamic as well. It's not so much that different is better. It's just different is different. And sometimes different can make you think about the game or what you do and the monotony of, you know, practicing and football just a little bit differently. Yeah. And, you know, we're a long way away from roster cuts and having to worry about things like that. But these reps right now, uh, they're valuable because the coaching staff is going to go back and say, okay, well, you know, from year one to year two, we wanted to see this from a guy like Doyle. And we saw little flashes of it. And maybe the new guys like David Questenberry, here's what we wanted to see from him, maybe being a potential swing tackle. Did we see that? young safeties that you mentioned, wide receivers, tight ends, even even a veteran like O.J. Howard who's been in the, the league for a few years now. Uh, you, you get those early looks at the players, and it kind of puts you on that accelerated track of how many tight ends we're going to need, how many wide receivers are we going to need, who's off to a good start, who's off to us, uh, uh, not I don't want to say a poor start, but who, who could uh, hopefully only get better from this point on. The evaluation process is always ongoing, Matt. There's going to be a ton of really fun evaluations over the course of of this you know spring and summer period. We're going to get into a couple of the guys that you know made a really good impact today or a good impression today uh, in a little while. But let's let's start off a little bit. I want to get to Von Miller, but let's go to uh, the scuffle to start. I, I think that that's something that uh, is always worth talking about. Deion Dawkins says that if 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 uh, some type of uh, uproar or melee. If that doesn't happen in OTAs, you almost ask mm-hmm. what's going on. He's like, there's got, there's a certain, you know, energy uh, that, that that brings. And, you know, he said, it's like, it's just a Buffalo Bills energy. You go back a couple of uh, uh, last year it was John Feliciano. Remember that dust up when AJ Epinesa kind of beat him and, you know, he kind of pushed him in the back and they ended up fighting and Feliciano ended up going on uh, Pat McAfee, like a couple hours later and he was asked yes. about it and that whole thing, you know, this was something where, it was kind of it was kind of two parts. So first off, Stefan Diggs was being covered by Dane Jackson. I think it was just a bang bang play. Diggs makes the throw the catch, and I think it was Jaquan Johnson who came in late and maybe pushed him out of bounds a little bit rougher than he would have liked. Well, Diggs turns around, they go back and forth, they're shouting. That was the first part of it, but it it diffused itself very quickly. Like that that part of it was done once all the people kind of came in and cooler heads prevailed until it looked like Saran Neal got it ratcheted back up again. I actually was told today that I say ratcheted up way too much on the podcast. So um, <laughs> I apologize if that's something that annoys you, but Neil comes in, he shoved somebody. I don't know if it was Elijah Griffin, but Elijah Griffin was just basically went off the deep end at that point. I mean, he was flipping out. He had to be restrained by uh, uh defensive backs coach, uh, John Butler, Defensive passing game coordinator uh, just got promoted. They're going back and forth. They're arguing as he's pushing them back. Jordan Phillips came in to try to defuse. Deion Dawkins and Taiwan Jones came across the field to try to defuse. And after about two or three minutes, they finally got Griffin to calm down. And he walked across the field and into the training facility. But Deion Dawkins said, listen, this is this is what you want. It, it happened out on the field. And, and that's what happened. And it, it, it's left there and it, it didn't go into the locker room when it goes in the locker room. That's when it becomes a little bit bigger of an issue, but this was just, you know, guys out there competing and it, it was what it was. At any point, did he shout regulators mount up? No. And I think that you really missed an opportunity. Missed opportunity, say, Elijah missed opportunity. 
Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So, th- so that is what it is. I see a lot of comments uh, over on YouTube that we could talk, we can maybe get ratcheted up in, uh, in <laughs> somehow and uh, link it up to value. We'll, we'll put our, our thinking caps on. Maybe we can, we can come up with something. Cause I love that phrase. I say ratcheted up a lot. I just, I, I don't know. It, it just hits for me. Yeah. I, I notice sometimes I'll say a hundred percent a lot in interviews and things like that. I'll listen back and be like, Oh yeah, I got it. You know, there's little things, terms, phrases, we're guilty of Bill's Mafia, so uh, bear with us with that. Um, you uh, know, by the way, Brian, off the, I got sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm going to get no, go ahead. get comments about that. Um, people don't like when I interrupt you, and sometimes when I'm reading comments, people get mad that it doesn't seem like I'm listening to you when you're talking. And also, people do not like when I cut you off. So Ooh, I'm so- going to put myself in. Well, one, Matt didn't have to put himself in timeout, Bills fans. But, you know, l- listen, when it comes to a few of these things, one, that, that's part of our bit. I, I've done it to Matt before. He does it to me a lot when we, we have these disagreements and arguments. And two, you know, we don't have a a live in-show producer. So uh, it, those Bills fans that think that Matt's not paying attention, you got to realize he, he's doing a lot behind the scenes as we're doing this live, making sure uh, that it's still on all the platforms, checking comments on the U- on YouTube, checking comments on the other platforms. It, it's not easy. And, and he is kind of running the show, so to speak. So I just sit here and give my opinions. I have the easy job. Matt's juggling uh, all these different jobs at once while hosting the pod as well. So uh, give him a little grace. I promise you, I know he is paying attention. We've been doing this for quite some time now. Uh, I appreciate that. You didn't have to, you didn't have to send me too much love. Um, cause sometimes I do just check out and stop listening to you. <laughs> um, just kidding. So let's go to Von Miller because that was another piece of today. We got it. We got a chance to see him in action today. And I thought that there was one, there's two plays, right. That really jumped off the page at me. One of them was one-on-one with Deion Dawkins. And the only reason that it wasn't a sack and blown dead and he got to Josh Allen was because Allen saw it coming and just hit his outlet pass, which I think was Isaiah McKenzie in the, in the flat and just got the, rid of the ball as fast as he could. So you see Von Miller d- coming and you know that's a new dynamic of this practice now for the Bills is I don't think that Josh Allen or this offensive line has had to consistently face a, a pass rushing presence like Von Miller is going to be. Today was like, I, I think Deion Dawkins had a great quote. He said, he's just so fluid. It's like, it's unbelievable how low he can get to the ground while maintaining his strength. And you can really feel it out there. He even like said, watching him work out, watching him stretch before practice. It's almost like the way he moves his body is like, he's like water because of how fluid he is. Mm-hmm. Deion Dawkins is awesome. He's got some of the best quotes. Another play was the entire defensive line just erupted, right? I, everybody won their one-on-one matchup. Uh, I mentioned Tommy Doyle. He was out there for that and, and lost that particular one, but they all did. And it was just Von Miller just putting Deion Dawkins in a spin cycle, you know? And so it, it is what it is. But I think adding that presence to the practice field, you know, I know they say iron sharpens iron. You're probably sick of hearing it and reading about it, but it, that there is some validity to that. And I think that's, that's what's going to happen here. I also think Josh Allen shouting out Jordan Phillips. He saw him quite a bit today. And that's another guy that I think, you know, that might be sneaky and upgrade on Star Latule as we sit here on the day one of OTAs. And oh, by the way, he might not end up being the starter at that one tech position. He might be your depth guy there. 
adding these talented additions, especially Von Miller, we'll, we'll start there. It's going to help the offensive line. It's going to help Josh Allen uh, because Josh Allen's going to know when uh, pressure's coming, who's his outlet, who does he have to get the ball to quickly. Not that he hasn't known that before, but go back to week one last year, Matt. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a nightmare game for Allen and the Bills. Mm. They were getting pressure through consistently, that being the Steelers. Allen um, had a rough game because of that. Having someone like Von Miller is only going to make him better in terms of getting the ball out quickly, knowing where to go with the ball on certain plays, what to do there. Uh, It's going to make Deion Dawkins and the rest of those offensive linemen better. Same with Jordan Phillips when, when he's, Uh, getting through or any of these other uh, players, especially those young guys that Sean McDermott kind of put on uh, notice today. Just got to call out, you know, the Warren G in in the YouTube that wrote Mount Up. Shout out to the actual Warren G uh, for sharing our podcast a few weeks back. Uh, Quite the honor there. But yeah, a a guy like Von Miller, this is why they signed him, obviously for in-season what he can do, but also what he's going to do to get this team better between now and September. So people asking in the comment section about Jordan Phillips, um, he plays all over the place. Like I, I think he was even asked that today and he said, I could play every spot on the defensive line. And I think they're going to use him as kind of, if I was projecting, this isn't anything that I saw in practice today. And like, again, like Ryan mentioned, we can't tell you where guys lined up, but I think Jordan Phillips, if you think back to how they used him before they used him, I mean, he rushed at times out on the edge, not very often, but a few times on, on some third down packages. You know, he could play three tech, he could play one tech. So I think he's going to be play five tech. He's going to he's going to be uh, you know everywhere, and I think that's kind of what they like about him. And you know, guys that add value, you know, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham. Let's let's go to Boogie Basham. Let's just stay on the defensive line. We'll just run through uh, a couple of these guys. Ron Beck's like, come on, Matt, get suspended. And then what, what, what will we do? We will be able to bring you all the insight from these practices. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I can't uh, got to follow the rules. And, you know, uh, it is what it is. Some, some, some teams have even stricter rules for practice than the Bills. So in a perfect world, it would probably be easier because I do spend a lot of time thinking when we're doing these shows, when I'm writing my observations, how I'm presenting things to make sure that I'm following the guidelines, how they're presented. Uh, so it does make it a little bit more challenging. But listen small price to pay. We get to, you know, bring you guys to the practice a lot of times. And, you know, they do let us take you inside some plays and what happens. And so uh, I think that's uh, at least one piece uh, to be thankful for in these, in these review shows, Greg Rousseau. So one of the big observations off the field, the dude is looking jacked, Ryan. Like, you know, when he was drafted, we were talking about one of the areas was, all right, is he going to be able to grow into his body and add that bulk? Dude looks like he said he added five pounds of muscle. You know, he looks bigger, like hulking almost on uh, uh, at, at the uh, uh, podium today, uh, sitting at the table. So, you know, that's a huge development. I mean, if Greg Rousseau is playing, you know, bigger and, and he's able to keep his same speed and, you know, they they, they have him and is kind of leading that uh, after Von Miller, that that snap count. I'm very interested to see what he looks like. Uh, I think he had one near sack today, but it was Boogie Basham. We can only give him half credit for the sack that he got, Ryan. You know why? Why can we only give him half credit? Because he was going against Bobby Hart. So, like, you can't give full credit for the sack in practice when you're going against Bobby Hart. Listen, I want to make it a point. I do not want to pick on Bobby Hart over the next four months, whatever, three months till cuts. But, man... I'm just looking for that man to give me something to kind of bang the Bobby Hart drum a little bit. Every time I watch this man in practice in a, in a one-on-one setting, 
it's been curtains. It's been lights out. And today, Boogie Basham gave him the business. <laughs> well, listen, that that has to make the Bills front office coaching staff, uh, et cetera, pretty happy. Uh, you know, no offense to Bobby Hart, but he is a fringe roster player. They want these young guys to shine this offseason, whether, you know, obviously if it's against Hart, so be it. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on these guys to step up. Sean McDermott said it earlier today. Well, those players have to kind of move in, uh, move up and, and become more uh, more of a regular contributor in their roles. And, and when it comes to Rousseau, yeah, the, the body type, you know, he, he was a unicorn in terms of that size, the wingspan. Now you add the muscle to the frame. You add an entire uh, year of being in this system. You add off-season training. Remember, Bills fans, rookie year to year two, Huge difference in offseason training. Rookie year, you're at uh, a lot of those. Sometimes they're at the bowl games or, uh, or the offseason bowls, senior bowl, hula bowl, all those different bowls. Uh, sometimes you're going on your visits or doing private workouts or doing the Zooms is what they were doing for the, mm-hmm. leading up to the draft. They didn't have a true offseason to prepare to, to kind of get into this league. All Russo had to worry about this offseason was focusing on himself and his game. Same with Boogie Basham, AJ Epineza a year ahead of them in terms of having an extra year under his belt. But that is a big difference compared to year one when they're just kind of coming in and and trying to get their feet wet in terms of uh, getting used to the NFL game. So high expectations, especially for those guys in year two, uh, Rousseau and Basham. Basham taking over that 55 jersey, uh, taking over the Hughes number, correct? Uh, And Mm -hmm. and kind of... uh, Picking up where he left off, I thought that when he was given opportunities last year, especially late in the year, playoff time, I thought he played pretty well, Matt. Yeah, uh, the 55 threw me for a loop for a moment when we were doing um, the uh, attendance, which as you can see, you can look at my attendance sheet. Uh, I cross them all out. They give us these sheets, and then I, I kind of go through every player. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, 55, 55, I don't see anything. Then I look closely, and I can see the name on the back, and I'm like, bash him? He changed his number and uh, Greg Rousseau was joking that they were giving him a hard time today saying, Hey man, you're looking like Jerry out here. You gotta, you gotta step your game up. Look like Jerry Hughes out here, calling him Jerry and stuff. So, you know, guy that definitely had a big impact on, on a lot of these younger uh, pass rushers here over the last couple of years. Now, obviously in Houston, uh, AJ Epinesa had a sack. I think they blew it dead, but it, sh- or they didn't blow it dead, but it should have been, you know, it wasn't anything that was super, off the charts here. He was going against uh, Luke Tenuta, uh, and that would have been the sack uh, on that play. So, you know, six-round draft pick, rookie, uh, going against the third-year defensive lineman in, in A.J. Epinesa. He got the win there, as he should, uh, and, and probably should have been a sack. But um, let's go to the offensive side for a moment. I think one of my initial impressions of just looking at the offense and watching Jamison Crowder for the first time. And then we talked to, you know, I asked Josh Allen specifically about this today. I'm really interested to see how Isaiah McKenzie's experience with this team. I I asked Josh, I'm like, okay, so Cole Beasley was here for three years. Uh, You guys developed this relationship. You worked so much together. Now that that's gone, what does that mean for, you know, how you have the position set up now with Isaiah Crowder, maybe even Shakir. And he stopped me and he said, well, don't forget McKenzie's been here for four years. And so there's already some of that chemistry built in, obviously not on the same level. You know, Cole Beasley just didn't play the same amount of snaps, but I'm very interested to watch this 
competition between Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder. Where does it end up on the other side? There's a lot of people that are big time Jamison Crowder fans. You've talked him up a little bit on the pod about, you know, his, his ability after the catch. I don't know. I, I think Isaiah McKenzie's got a chance to have a, a legitimate role in this offense. And I'm not even talking about anything that I saw today. I thought that, you know, they, they both were out there. They both made plays. I thought Jameson Crowder had one really nice play. Uh, he didn't get a lot of opportunities when you're out there with some of the players that the bills have the skill position spots. It's hard to get the ball around to all of them. I mean, Gabriel Davis had a couple catches. Uh, Diggs had a couple catches and so on and so forth. But uh, I'm very interested in this competition. Yeah, same here. It's going to be intriguing. And listen, I don't think Khalil Shakir is going to be in, in the competition to start out of the gate, but that's someone else to keep an eye on uh, for that slot job. So there's, uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches, so to speak, at that slot position. Uh, at least that's what Shakir is projected to be based on where uh, the draft analysts think that he fits best. Isaiah McKenzie, you know what he brings. He brings speed. You can use him as a gadget player. You saw what he did against uh, man-to-man defense last year. He just absolutely torched the Patriots in that game. He made some big catches throughout the season. Um, Can he, I don't want to say improve his game, but can he get his game up to speed in terms of zone, knowing where to sit down, knowing where Josh is going to want him to be? That's something to watch between now and September. Jamison Crowder, Uh, You have to work on that rapport and that chemistry with Josh Allen, but he's someone that's been in this league for quite a few years. Um, Someone that has shown the ability to not only make plays out of the slot, but make plays after catching the the ball in terms of the yards after the catch, uh, what this offense desperately needed in terms of there was one need. It was the the yards after catch aspect. So I'm intrigued. Maybe the the best – uh, maybe evenly matched matchup going into the offseason in, in terms of who's going to come out ahead. That's something to keep an eye on, Matt, for sure. You know, we we talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, if if there is a trending up for for Tommy Doyle, the trending down, I, I'd have to give it to Marquez Stevenson today. Uh, I'm going to mention him, and then I, I got a quick note on Zach Moss as well. But Stevenson, you know, he's in a situation this training camp or, uh, you know, um, spring mini camp OTAs training camp. He has got to make a massive impression at every stage to earn a, a roster spot. I and mean, there's just too much depth at this position for him to have off days. And today Ryan was an off day. I mean, two instances where he had blatant drops, you know, I think one came from case Keenum. The other was from Matt Barkley and man, He's got such an opportunity. I was talking to somebody on the sideline today that nobody really has his profile in the wide receiver room. I think he could really be a a field stretcher and it's one day of practice and it's OTAs week one. So you want to put it in its proper place and it's in its proper, um, you know, shelf, if you will. But man, he's got to start making plays and having two drop days. And I'm pretty sure, Ryan, I didn't write this because it was at the beginning of practice when they were kind of going through, uh, routes versus air. I'm pretty sure Marquez Stevenson dropped another one during routes versus air, which arguably is even almost even worse, you know? And sometimes guys have like, you know, they have drops, right? I think Tanner Gentry dropped one. It was a little overthrown maybe. And you know, it happens, whatever, but man, uh, just not a great day for Marquez Stevenson. He's going to want to wash this one away completely. 
Yeah, and you mentioned it. It happens. Last year, I, I can't even remember how many times we talked about OT, OTAs, training camp, things like that, where Dawson Knox had issues with drops. And he went on to have a career year, nine touchdowns, right. this, that, and the other. And now, mind you, we're not expecting or projecting Stevenson to have some huge breakout year in this offense. There's just too much talent at wide receiver ahead of him. Uh, but if he wants to make a roster spot, he has to put those drops behind him, get on track, um, and and kind of show what he can do as that field stretcher. Yeah, you know, it was a preseason game last year where he showed what he could do. It was a, it was a kind of a um, last minute game. Jake Fromm threw him that uh, a few passes in that matchup, and the Bills ended up winning that game late in the fourth quarter. I want to say it was against the Lions in the preseason when we were in Detroit, and and he showed up, and and that kind of saved him in terms of making this roster, showing that he deserved to be on this roster and given a chance. Now he's got to go to the next step and be more consistent because the bills could use someone like that a few snaps per game. If he can win that role as, as wide receiver uh, six or whatever the case may be, because if you can be a special teams contributor, you can also get on, on the field on offense a few times per game and, you know, run a go route because of that speed and that breakaway ability. Speaking of go routes, Ryan, everybody listening to this podcast right now should run a go route to value home centers this week. Check this out. Spring value days are still going on. This is the last week. Get there anytime. Run. I I stopped by one this morning. It was really clean. Uh, it, It was inviting. It welcomed you in and check out some of these deals. You could save on Deckett House Stain, Turf Builder Lawn Food, Interior Paint and Primer, Electric Hedge Trimmer, cordless available also hose nozzles okay check this out i've not watered my like my my back garden area when we had a back garden area we got rid of um the gardens because i just wanted grass back there but i didn't do it for like two years because i didn't have like the right pressure on the hose nozzle so all i needed to do was stop over to value home centers pick up the new hose nozzle get the pressure going back there and take care of it all they even got american flags ryan head into your local value home center today or go to valuehomecenters.com shop online pick up in store or find a huge selection of products shipped to your local store from our their warehouse for free can't beat it right no you cannot that was a great flawless transition matt a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, we've had some people in here ask about the cornerbacks today. You mentioned a cornerback who had a pretty good day in Cam Lewis. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, what you saw from the former UB product. Right. You know, Dane Jackson uh, had his issues with Gabriel Davis today, right? Um, Mentioned that. Kyer Elam had a couple uh, prime matchups with Stephon Diggs. Uh, One, I think the ball was thrown at it was he ran a a picture perfect route uh kind of like a a, a a dig where he just you know planted his foot in 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 the in the, in the turf and, and came back and got it uh it was really just 
precision. And, and Kyrie Elam got his little welcome to the NFL moment. He's going to have a lot of those over the summer. But it was Cam Lewis to me today, Ryan, that continues to just stand out. You know, everywhere, everything that they ask him to do, I feel like Cam Lewis makes plays. And there was one in particular today. Uh, he was going one-on-one with Isaiah Hodgins. So obviously the size disadvantage for Cam Lewis, it didn't matter. I mean, he played big in this moment. He was physical with Hodgins. Uh, it was kind of like a a bad uh, throw from Case Keenum. He had a couple ducks today. I'm not going to lie. Keenum didn't wow me. Uh, he had a couple decent throws too. Don't get me wrong. There were some some up and down moments for him, but this one was a, just a, not a great throw, but it didn't matter. The coverage from Cam Lewis was exceptional. And Isaiah Hodgins ended up just like, I don't even think Lewis like had the pass breakup as much as Hodgins just was so befuddled by the coverage. It was so good. So, you know, Cam Lewis is, is a guy that I, I wrote in my story. I think it's going to be really hard to cut this guy. I mean, I had him as, as one of the last cuts in my first 53-man roster. Man, the more and more I, I think about it, and you know, somebody mentioned Benford in here, uh, Christian Benford, the sixth-round draft pick. He's going to have to make an impression for them to move on from Cam Lewis because I'd much probably r- rather take my chances of getting Benford on the on the practice squad than Lewis, who I think you know his stock's going to kind of rise here as we move towards through the summer. Yeah, and listen, this is a Super Bowl year, Super Bowl window. You want to go with those proven entities, someone that you can count on uh, to come in and contribute if needed, if there was an injury, if uh, whatever the case may be. And Lewis, there's some faith in him, especially with the coaching staff, defensive backs coach, uh, what have you. It was not just a few years ago that he was almost taking over the starting slot cornerback job from Taron Johnson. Then he suffered an injury, and that kind of took that opportunity away. He has shined in moments when he's been on the field. He has shined in in the OTAs, the training camps, the preseasons. He's been in this system for a few years. As long as he can kind of stay on this trajectory, there's no reason to believe that he can't claim one of those final spots because it's more important to have players that you have faith in uh, to be able to step onto the field and make plays for you on defense, on special teams than it is to, to keep someone like a Benford who could in time develop into a nice contributor. But like you said, late day three guy, can you get him on your practice squad, uh, develop him a little bit there and then get him on to your main roster. That might be the best path. If Lewis continues to play at this uh, level all summer and then leading up to September. I had that note on Zach Moss. Um, it was one-on-one coverage. I think he ran like a, I don't know. He was running some type of route. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was one-on-one with Tremaine Edmonds. And uh, funny note, uh, Sean McDermott said that he was excused for personal reasons, but today he was at practice. Um, so I think John Scott uh, had tweeted some clarification on that. Maybe he was leaving after practice. Uh, I can't actually remember, but he was out there at practice. And, you know, it was Josh Allen dropped a pass, an absolute dime in a bucket to Zach Moss, who was running stride for stride with, with Edmonds and he just dropped it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned Marquez Stevenson, you know, with James Cook in the mix and he was pretty quiet today. There was nothing that jumped out again. I don't think it was anything necessarily that Cook didn't do as much as, you know, the ball just didn't, you know, go his way uh, a lot. And, you know, when you have those opportunities, if you're Zach Moss, you want to absolutely wow the coaching staff. You want to build some momentum. And so, you know, that was one moment that stood out. They didn't do a lot of run work today. Most of the 11 on 11 stuff was uh passing game. So we'll see as the weeks move on, if, if maybe they, 
they they incorporate the run a little bit more. Sometimes it's tough. Like, you know, if they put the pads on one day at mini camp, I don't even know if they do. I can't remember. Um, it's tough keeping all the rules uh, straight. We might have to wait till training camp to get a really good look idea of what this running game is going to look like. And it's going to look likely a little bit different with with now Aaron Cromer calling the shots. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with Zach Moss, Brandon Bean still has faith in him. He said he couldn't really cut last year uh, to one side of the field. He expects that to not be an issue this year. But now it's up to Moss to to make plays on the field. And it's one drop. It's one day. It's nothing that we, we should be overreacting to just yet. But it, but it also is a play that maybe the coaching staff will remember uh, and that now it's up to Moss to make them forget about it and make a play the next time his number is called, uh, whether that's running the ball or obviously being uh, given the opportunity to catch the ball out of the backfield. Man, I, we almost got out of here without uh, talking about this next guy. He was one of my main observations. And you know who took a couple of these UDFA uh, offensive linemen to school today, Ryan Talbot? Uh, Shaq Lawson, man, looked rejuvenated. Now, Alec Anderson, um, I know a lot of people are high on him. Tanner Owen, uh, he's not at, you know exactly going up against uh, <laughs> Quentin Nelson or uh, you know top uh, offensive lineman, even Deion Dawkins. But man, you know Lawson looked quick. He looked explosive. He looked like the guy that at his best in 2019. That's kind of the, some of the things that you saw out of him in practice. Somebody that was challenging opponents and offensive linemen. And like, it's funny, like. You go to a practice like this the first time you see Shaq in a Bills uniform in years and you look for like the juice, right? Like the stuff that he brings, you know, on the sidelines or in between plays. But man, today, more than anything, it was it was what he was bringing in between the lines. And he was a real problem uh, up front for for the Bills, you know, whichever offensive lineman he was going up against today. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He said something a few months ago when someone uh, mentioned his stint with the Jets and it wasn't very good. And he pretty much came back and said nothing was good when, when he was with the Jets. And I know he's made a few, you know, trips elsewhere. He was with Miami, obviously, before that, Houston, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But I do feel like part of being rejuvenated is, is being on a roster one where you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. You see all the talent mm. around you. And and two, for Lawson especially, his roster spot is far from a lock. This is not uh, you know, obviously a former Bills draft pick, but a different regime, different time. They have young guys here, they have Von Miller here. Um, he's got to go out and earn a role on this roster. Good start so far. Uh, but he's got to continue to do that, continue to flash, continue to show why he needs to be on this final roster when all is said and done. We know that every year in Buffalo, he was strong as a run stopper. He got better and better each year going after the quarterback in Buffalo. Can he pick up where he left off with the Bills? Not so much with those teams where those teams were struggling. They weren't playing good football. Uh, but can he pick up where he left off with the Bills? Because if he can, that's going to end up being a value of a signing for the bills but boom you hit it you hit it hard there i, I appreciate right. that you're bringing a little bit of something extra and i appreciate that one other thing that i wanted to hit on real quick is the joe brady ken dorsey dynamic uh really interesting t- josh allen said today when we got a chance to talk to him after practice about you know him being up front with with Ken Dorsey like when we run you know 11 on 11 even right now like I want you in my headset I want to start you know getting used to like what that what your voice is going to sound like on game day I mean he spent the last 
four years listening to Brian Dable. So it's like he's probably dreamt in Brian Dable in his ear when he's playing quarterback, even in his dreams. And so, you know, changing course and going with, you know, Ken Dorsey, who he also has a close relationship with. Like, talk about the dynamic. Like, you go from, you know, the quarterback's coach, for those that aren't familiar, they're attached to the hip to the starting quarterback. So they go to all the meetings with them all day long, like him and, you know, Dorsey and Josh Allen, they become really close in the building, right? Like they're always together. And now that dynamics changed. Dorsey's popping around to all different types of meetings. And now it's Joe Brady that's on his hip and early returns are Josh Allen said the relationship is great. Like he's competitive, uh, which is a key component to any relationship for a coach that, that Allen's going to have. He needs, he needs that dynamic. You know, they, they obviously bond over the office and uh, we'll see where it goes from here, but early returns are good. Uh, I, I'll be interested to, to hear from Joe Brady and, you know, some of his, his observations since joining this coaching staff a couple months ago. Yeah. And listen, you know, obviously the old voices are are gone now because they were given a head coaching job elsewhere in the league. It wasn't because they were let go for a lack of success. Uh, but sometimes new can be good and and uh, working with new coaches, getting new ideas, building upon what the previous regime or offense did. And I think that's what you, you have here in Buffalo. Um, obviously, with Dorsey, he knows the system that Brian Dable ran, but what wrinkles can he add to it? What can he add that maybe Dable didn't use? Two tight end sets, uh, utilizing more, you know, the the running backs as receivers, whatever the case may be. And then Joe Brady, you know, Brady is someone that was kind of accelerated to these unrealistic expectations based on one year or a few years at uh, LSU when you, when you had a ton of talent there. He, there was talk about him being a head coach in the NFL. Then he was an offensive coordinator. Things hasn't haven't panned out for him in the NFL to date. But now you're you're with Josh Allen, and that that rocket, so to speak, could, could be strapped on his back again sooner rather than later if this offense picks up where they left off. And he could be a hot name once again, just like Brian Dable wasn't a hot name when the Bills hired him. And for the last few years, he he was the the guy that everyone thought was going to be head coach. It, it's funny how much these dynamics can change. I'm interested to see what these two coaches, though, do for Josh Allen in this offense in terms of uh, adding a, a few new tricks up the sleeve or a few new wrinkles to this thing with all the talent that they have at their disposal. I have a couple uh, quick fire questions I want to run through here. Cole Beasley put out a, a rap record. I didn't, I didn't listen to it. Um, he's been working out at SMU. I saw uh, on Instagram recently, uh, even was working out with Baker Mayfield uh, about a month ago surprised that he's not on a, on a roster yet. And you start looking across the, you know, threshold of the league, like the landscape of the league, I should say, where does he end up? Like, what are some teams that you think could be a landing spot for Cole Beasley? Uh, First, not surprised. And I, I think at this point, he's better off waiting, waiting to see if there's an injury in training camp to another team. Uh, waiting for the right opportunity. He he is in the late stages of his career, so there there might have been a few teams that have tried to to pursue him or shown interest in him. But do you want to go to a team where you're not in a realistic Super Bowl window? Probably not. So wait it out. Show some patience. Um, you, you know, it took a long time for a guy like Jarvis Landry to sign um, before mm-hmm. he finally ultimately landed. Um, in New Orleans. So with, with Cole Beasley, it's all about opportunity, waiting it out. I, I don't think his feelings are going to be hurt if he misses some training camp 
uh, can stay kind of fresh, join a team before the season starts and just kind of jump right in. So not surprised in terms of team fits. I think it just comes down to Super Bowl contenders, injuries that happen, or a team that maybe gets closer and closer to the regular season and says, we're missing someone in the slot that can be a consistent threat for us. Maybe they have a young guy on the roster they were hoping would come along year two, year three, whatever the case may be, and it's just not happening at that point. So uh, not surprised at all. What about you? Question in the comments about not talking about rookies. Is that not a good thing? There were just no really no no big plays for any rookies today. I mean, Elam, like I mentioned, he had the one one play against Diggs where Diggs, you know, it was like a 10 or 15 yard gain, nothing big. Uh, there was just no, you know, spectacular plays. Cook didn't get a lot of work. Uh, Bernard had one play, actually. So that's a good point. Uh, Bernard, let me see if I can bring it up here. Bernard had a pressure and Barkley had to throw it away. It was a really good blitz. So, uh, but it was just one play. I, I didn't really notice Bernard too much. And then it was um, after that, Shakir, very quiet today. So it was just a situation where the rookies didn't get a lot of action today. Um, I think a great commenter uh, comment here on YouTube is that Beasley's in no rush. I totally agree. You know, one of the things that I think is the reason that, you know, things ended the way they did for the Bills and Cole Beasley was because I just think the guy is, you know, sick of, you know, the rules. Right. Like, uh, you know, COVID's over, but he probably doesn't want to spend any more time in a locker room like under team control than he than he has to at this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if you you don't see Cole Beasley on a team until until training camp. I see the Rams have been mentioned, um, the, the Cowboys, even that could be a very interesting one. I kind of think if if Baker where Baker goes is going to be interesting if he goes to Seattle. I could see him going to Seattle and, and linking up maybe with Baker Mayfield, uh, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. That could be an interesting trio. Uh, I, I know that uh, Tyler Lockett doesn't work out of the slot, but you know that that could be really interesting. Yeah, that and that would be a team that not, not that Baker Mayfield is a top five quarterback or anything like that, but it's a much better scenario than what they have there. And you already have some talent at receiver, and that would be maybe an intrigue, uh, intriguing team for him, despite it being a very tough division in general. That would make some sense, absolutely. Amy's saying he's, you know, he likes his rap career more. Well, you, you take a lot less hits on in your rap career, and and you're certainly not uh, having to follow team guidelines like he's he did the last few years. That uh, obviously racked up some fines. So he definitely does enjoy the music part of his career for sure. Uh, something to keep an eye on. Real quick with, uh, you know, with Bernard, I wonder if they're going to call him the Nard Dog since there's so many office fans on that coaching staff and, and on the team itself. Maybe a potential nickname for the guy. Having a chance to talk to him a couple of times, I don't think Nard Dog really fits. But hey, like <laughs> if you're an office guy, I mean, it's it, it makes a lot of sense to kind of go that direction. All right, here's my other question before we get out of here. Where do the Bills, how does the Jordan Poyer situation play out? Uh, I think it plays out with a short-term extension, something that gets him a little bit more money. The Bills aren't going to frivolous, uh, frivolously throw money at him. It just doesn't make sense with the what's age. The thre- let me ask, the, let me ask yeah. you this. What's, what's the threshold of frivolous to you? So is it a three-year deal? Is it three additional years? Is even if all of those aren't guaranteed, is there a guaranteed money number that you think you wouldn't go over if you were the bills or is it just total contract? Like what's the threat? Because honestly, I look at some of these top five 
safety contracts and none of them seem overly daunting. Like, of course the Jamal Adams deal is like, you're not going to want to reach for that. And teams have learned a valuable lesson from that. But, you know, I think something in the vein of a Buda Baker deal, let me bring it up here. I, I think it's, I think it's doable, Ryan. Like I, I think if you have to throw 25 million, so he got a four year contract with the Cardinals worth 59 million, 33.1 million of the deal was guaranteed. So if you had three years and say, so four, (laughs) four at 60. So 15, so about 15 per year. So if you add three years to Poyer's deal right now, which I think he's set to make $10 million. And it roughly estimates that those four years end up being somewhere around there, like $60 million with the money that you have on there right now. And the guarantee number is somewhere around like 29 million. Like you could get out after two years, but it gives them that guaranteed 29 brings down this year's cap. Like, don't you, do you think that's doable? Cause I, I think it's super doable, especially with the way that the cap is going to explode. I think it just becomes a question of, if you're the Bills, A, we don't really know where negotiations are, like how good the conversations have gone. There's a good relationship with Drew Rosenhaus already. Uh, so that that's something that I think Jordan Poyer and the Bills have going for them is that there's a good relationship there. And I think the cap number in, in two years and where it's going to be at, I don't think it's that daunting to get something like that done. Or are you out on that kind of structure? Well, if you have an out in the contract after two years, I, I think that makes it more... Uh, doable if, if you're lowering his cap short term and, and being able to you know raise it up in that 15 million dollar range whatever the case may be that's doable but you also have to remember we're going to hit that point where someone eventually is going to go um and it's unfortunate but you can't keep everyone and they already have uh young players that they they really have to consider what is the long-term plan like dawson knox like tremaine edmonds and i know edmonds isn't uh, the most popular player with the Bills Mafia fan base, uh, but he's still a young player that that's kind of been a proven entity in terms of what he can do. He has a lot of league-wide respect from players and coaches. And then Knox is coming off a career year. You want those are guys that you want to have some money for if you if you're really thinking about this thing uh, long term. And as valuable as Jordan Poyer is to this team, you kind of mentioned it. The league learned one. Safety is not a spot where you, where you pay big money. Um, it just doesn't make sense to do it in, in that regard. I would. It would be interesting to see what this defense looked like without him because he is, without a doubt, one of the leaders of this defense, and he has been since day one. So that that's kind of the the uh, boiling point for me in terms of you know I don't know what this thing would look like without him. I know you'd have Hyde still, you'd have Trey White out there. You'll have a young guy in Elam, and you have Taron Johnson, one of the best nickel cornerbacks in the league. But would this still would this thing still run as effectively with one of your young safeties who have been waiting in the wings for a few years? I don't know. Uh, but someone eventually is not going to get the money here in Buffalo. They're going to have to get it elsewhere. So that's what the re- biggest reason why I'm on the fence about this is it's the age factor compared to the money they've already spent on players, and also the the money that I think that they're going to spend on a guy like Dawson Knox and potentially on a guy like Edmonds. The problem too is for me, if I'm looking for reasons why from the Bills perspective, it, they don't get it done or don't do it, is you have Jordan Poyer who had this unbelievable year. You know, uh, Dawkins came out today when I asked him about, you know, is it weird not having Poyer and Hyde there? And I think Hyde's absence is interesting as well. It may be just to the point in their careers where they just, you know, 
coming for voluntary stuff, even if they both had the deals they wanted, just isn't as fruitful for them as it is for other players. And maybe they, they're, you know, they want their younger guys to get reps. I mean, we've seen Hyde and Poyer both more so Hyde, you know, miss, miss games, uh, miss a game or two here and there. So having a guy ready and having some reps, that's, that's important. But I think if they don't do it, Ryan, to me, it tells me more about as good as Poyer is and was, it's a shift away from how they've seen their identity over the last five years to where that's more of a replaceable piece if you now believe in your front with the work that they've done on their front and what I think they're expecting Von Miller and company to do. Yeah, and it's it's a league-wide view as well that it's a replaceable piece. Look at this year's draft, Matt. I think Kyle Hamilton was one of the top five players in the draft, and he slid mm-hmm. almost to, to the middle part of round one. Just because safety is not viewed as an important position in today's NFL, it's uh, it's almost like the running back of, of the defense, where the where it almost feels like a dime a dozen, and that's not fair to the safety position because it's it's not the same uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But that's just kind of where we're at right now. So the Bills are in a tough spot. I, I like the fact that Sean McDermott said they talked at the softball game a little bit. Business is business. You know, it, it's going to get worked out one way or the other. There's going to be in in the on this defense contending for a Super Bowl this year, or or he could be elsewhere if uh, if it comes to that. If it, hopefully it does not. Hopefully cooler heads prevail and they can uh, figure something out as the season goes on or before the start of the season. But that's just one of those decisions, Matt, where I'm not quite sure where this thing is heading uh, right now. I know where I'm heading. Value Home Center, uh, and and maybe even in Bath, New York, Ryan. Value's newest location in Bath, New York, uh, is now open, and Value is planning a special grand opening celebration for all stores beginning June 5th and running for two weeks. They're going to have specials in there, crazy low prices we haven't seen in a while from Value. So put that on your calendar. Get up there. Listen, if you're going and shopping in Value Home Center, I want you to mention the Shout Football Podcast. Tell them that Matt and Ryan sent you. Uh, Go get your Weber Grill. Go get your deals this week, Spring Value Days. Tell them thank you for joining the squad, the Shout Squad. But Ryan Talbot, uh, we're so excited to have Value aboard. Uh, exciting times ahead. Yeah, and last thing on Value, Bills fans, if you're in the store, snap a photo, tag us, tag Value on social media. That's something that Tops has enjoyed. I'm sure Value would enjoy seeing all of us tagged on social media, get, get the mentions up there as well. So another way to kind of show value that uh, you appreciate them supporting shout and, and this passionate bills mafia fan base. <laughs> Ron, Ron goes, Matt and Ryan sent me the response, sir. <laughs> this is a Tim Hortons. <laughs> That's great. You guys are great. We love you. We love y'all. Uh, hit that like button before you go share out the episode, download it on all your audio platforms. If you just missed, uh, if you're just in here for a short while, catch the whole show uh, replayed back an hour of Buffalo Bills content in your life. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Uh, signing off, hit up Value Home Centers. You won't regret it. You'll thank me later. Have a good night. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.